Welcome to the Weekly Dish on My Talk 107.1. I'm Stephanie March, and I'm here today with Molly Herman. Good morning. Who joined me in the studio, and as always, Hope in the booth. And we are in a post-fair world, my friends. <laughs> are you a, feeling good about a that? A post-fair world. I am feeling really good about that. I am. Uh, it was a good slog, and it was lots of fun, and you know, we did all the things, and so then it's been done. Yeah? You caught yeah. up on sleep? No, but okay. that's, you know, because you get right off a of fair and you go into school. Right. And you roll into the world and you have other things to catch up on and all that kind of fun stuff. Do you so. ever like schedule a pedicure for right after the fair since you've like walked? A no, I did miles? it before. Did I it had before. fresh feet before. Okay. Yeah. I would do before and after. Yeah. I mean, I sure. Mean, I in, mean, a, in, a, in a world where there was time for that. <laughs> in a world. Yeah, no, I uh, I definitely made sure that my feet were pampered before I beat them up. So, okay. but I but again, yeah, I think I must have walked like five miles every day Probably. in the end, the way That's that easy. it all like yeah. you know checks out. Yep. And uh, so that is you know it's good to balance that when you're eating nothing but you know fried carbs and stuff. Fair food, sugar, <laughs> sugar. Maybe, maybe a few beverages. A few. Day drinking was just part of the job. You know, that's how it goes. And you know what? You get paid to make the big bucks just like that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I think it was it was a record-breaking year, you know, yeah. uh, all across the board. I think the weather was... I think this is one that will, you know, will kind of hang up there as a big, shiny, like, you know... It was almost An example perfect. of a perfect fair. Yeah. I mean, even the Monday that was raining, it happened on a Monday. Yeah. That's the best day for it to happen. For sure. So well, I was happy to, with it. To that end, uh, I hope I'm not telling any secrets, but Taco Cat, who was the second half of the Midtown Global Market booth at the International Bazaar, yeah, they had to scurry on their production of those tacos because they anticipated a few more rainy days than oh. they actually had. Oh, really? Like slower, you know, slower sales because they're at the second half of the fair. Yep. A lot of the big sales happen at the beginning of the new foods. And stuff I don't like know, that. though, because here's the deal. The truth of it is the the numbers are bigger at the end. Like, this is the funny part. We were talking about this because while, you know, the first opening day numbers, those yeah. were all records. Those are 150 130, 150, you're getting into the 200,000 marks at the very end oh, of the so fair. So you're saying the back end of the fair is always busier. It's busier. It just, it just seems like everybody's talking about the food at the beginning. Right. Right. It's very true. The, but I mean, that was actually a thing that I wondered because it's like you miss all the hullabaloo, but at the same time, you have got the volume that the front just doesn't have. I mean, that's 50,000 plus more people. Interesting. Like 100,000 plus yeah. more people. Yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. So yeah. anyway, so now we're done and now we can move on. And of course, we moved on <laughs> right into school week for most people. And uh, so we are going to talk a little bit about back to school cooking today. We're also going to talk about some essential cookbooks and we have something fun to announce. Um, and we've also got uh, some updates on food hall situations. And we have Brent from Burrow who's going to come in and talk about um kind of what they have going on. So, but before we do that, let's talk about what Jeet this week. Uh, I got to visit Allianz Field for the first time this week. You have never been there? I've your family been. is there all the time. I see I pictures from know. your kid a thousand times. I know. They always go without me. No. So Keith and AJ have season tickets, but the games are usually when I have cooking classes. So I I just haven't been able you to You haven't go. been able to go. So we went to the U.S. Women's National Team yep. game. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and it was great. The buzz was, you know, amazing, and it was super. They've sold out. Yep. Um, so it was my first time like looking at all the food, and I walked around the whole stadium and looked at everything. And um, did you walk during the game? Both before and after. Okay. So like I went down like ten minutes before halftime. We'd okay. already scored two goals. Okay. So I was, I was okay. You're fine. <laughs> um, one other thing I was disappointed in Keith Herman. At the grand opening of the stadium, he'd taken this picture of this like champagne bar. Oh. Wine bar. It's not there. No, because it was only during the opening. What? I don't know, but it, yeah. it was like a major sign, and he was like, no, it's there. I walked around that whole stadium. Huh. Not there. Maybe it's just, maybe they decided to axe it because it wasn't doing well. I don't know. Maybe. I'm sure pizza would sell better than champagne at a stadium. Yeah. But. Anyway, it wasn't there. Um, but the food was really good. I love seeing all the local places represented. And um, Hot Indian, of course, you know, they um, are at Midtown Global Market, too. So I saw a mole there. And they were selling out before halftime. Well, but that's kind of the thing with soccer, right? I mean, like, they don't... That's the weird part is, like, it's like you either get it all in the beginning and then you sit or, like, it's all at halftime, right? Well, and I think, you know, everybody there has had to adjust with what they're what the crowd is going to do. And so they had figured out their levels with the looms games, you know, that they can make it all the way through until they stop selling towards the end. Yeah. But he said that more people from the women's team, usually people just stop and go watch the game. Yeah. And then they'll come back. And he said it was busy the entire time for, I wondered that because it's kind of like, you're not, there's also not a, the game isn't, it's not like it's a, you know what I'm saying? It's not like it's, it's, there's anticipation. It was a friendly match. It was a, yeah. And it was more of a social thing. I think, you know, there's an exhibition. Yes. So less of like uh, the game did, the score didn't actually matter is the point. Right. So, right. right. So they were, they were busier. Right. The whole time. People felt the like they was could going do. on. Yeah. And, um, so yeah. Oh, it was, it was good. Hot Indian Brasa representing El Barino Mercado had those nice, uh, Taquitos, right? Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Like, that's the funny thing. The idea that it was that the soccer season started and it was snowing. Uh (laughs) Yeah. You know, for the food preview day. Like, I don't remember anything that's there. You could tell me there's like fried smelt. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. That sounds good. Um, So, yeah, it it was good. I enjoyed going. It's a beautiful stadium. Yeah. And easy to get in and out of and all that kind of good stuff. Yep. Um, we also, there is the Vikings game starts tomorrow. So it's like oh, we're flipping right. seasons completely with, yeah. you know, while the twins are still kind of rolling, I guess, uh, the Vikings starts tomorrow. They have a, a noon game at the stadium against the Falcons. These are the things that I've, I'm reading off of somewhere. I, these are, <laughs> this is not a thing that you I know. so knowledgeable. Right? This is not a thing that I know. But it is, uh, but the idea that, that, you know, it's, it's U.S. Bank Stadium food now. Mm-hmm. It's their time. They have announced that Heggie's is going to be their official pizza. I don't know if you heard this. I, that feels I saw, right. You, I saw you wrote about that in yeah. your feed. It just feels right. It feels right. I just had a conversation about Heggie's last night. Did you? Like what? Yeah, I'm not a fan. It tastes oh. like cardboard. Oh. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it tastes like cardboard. I, I would say that I would say the genre of freezer pizza tastes like cardboard. That's true. But of the freezer pizzas, and I believe that there are moments for freezer pizzas, yeah. that uh, of all of them, for me, Heggie's is the best. Yeah. But I, I think it, it is very much an emotional tie for people that grew up here. Heggie's is. It's sure. not something that you know we had ever heard of. Well, we're we a localism thing. Yeah. But it, it wasn't I think, around that, when, I think that's great. It wasn't around when we were kids, though. Okay, but it, in college, yeah? I mean, it's a bar pizza, you okay. know, but it really wasn't, I mean, it's not like a long-standing company. 
It wasn't around when I was, I went to school in Wisconsin too, so that doesn't really help. But I'm just saying, it's not like I, as a kid, tucked into a Heggie's okay. pizza and that's why I have it. Oh, I thought it'd been around for a long time. Mm-mm. Not okay. that long. I should look it up. Sean Doctor is the guy who founded it, but I feel like he only founded it like in the early 90s. Okay. Um, but nonetheless, it has become the darling of Minnesota. And yeah. so people love it. And the whole thing that it is, you know, breaking into the freezer pizza market is not easy. And no. they really centered around doing it through bars. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who set up the bars with the ovens. And so that was like, smart. you know, that was a really smart way of getting at, you know, people and mm-hmm. drinkers and everything else. Um but I do think, yeah, I mean, like, you know, we have freezer pizzas when all of a sudden I come home and the kids are sitting there and they're like, well, there's nothing to eat. I'm like, well, you have a car now. You can go up to Speedway. Right. <laughs> you can get <laughs> you a know pizza. how to do this. Yes. This is easy enough. And then all of a sudden my house smells like burnt cheese. So it's great. Um, I came home to. <laughs> so there's a few lessons. There. Yeah. I came home actually to uh, kids baking cookies at one in the morning in my house. Oh, well, that's not a bad thing to come home to. No, what were you doing? Where were you coming home at one o'clock? It was 1230. They were sleeping over. What were you doing? I was out. I was at. Ba- I went to Baja House last night. I went to actually. I went to go see it. Here's my movie review. It's funny. <laughs> it was funny. I like seeing Jessica Chastain and Bill Hader and you know like horror roles. But it wasn't scary. I wasn't scared. I may be jaded. I may be scared by real life more they, than I am by clowns. Did they play it straight in the movie, or was it kind of tongue in cheek? I mean, I think most horror movies have a little bit of tongue and okay. have most like have the laughy moments now. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't like Army of Darkness, like tongue in cheek, but it was sort of, I mean, there were funny things and there were, you know, there were moments, but it just was, it was, it opened really strong and kind of dark and then it got, I don't know, comical. (laughs) I don't know. It was long. It was also super long. It was three hours long. You're kidding. No, three hours. Three hours long. And this is chapter two. And I will tell you that it doesn't. Story arc support three hours. It doesn't go. It doesn't. This is the second movie, too. Like the whole first movie happened. And then this is the second one. I told, uh, I, I said, this is basically like sitting pe- through people's therapy sessions. Like that's what right. it felt like. Each character had a massive therapy session and we were there for it. And then there was clowns and murder. You know what I mean? There was a just, little bit of that. Just sprinkled in. Just sprinkled in. So anyway, we went from there and we went to Baja House to break it down and eat some burritos and and so drink some tequila to wash away. I had I, I was a little surprised at how little fear I had from it all. You know, I had like the jumpy fear of like yeah. something comes like a little thing turns into a big thing. Like that's jumpy. That's just startling. But I wasn't like driving home at one in the morning going, oh, no, there's clowns or anything. Right. You know, I remember when Jurassic Park came out and we went to the theater and it was dark and you came out and I swore that all the headlights were like, oh, dinosaur eyes staring yes. at you. Yeah, I know. I that like was, a good, I scary. like I am here for good, scary movies, but I'm also here, by the way, you guys down Nabby. Oh, yeah, that's coming. We also, gonna do a Goldfinch. Girl's trip for that. We're going to do that. All right. We're going to take a quick break. You guys, when we come back. We're going to talk about the essential cookbooks you need, and we have a little announcement. A lot of you will be very interested. And this is The Weekly Dish. We're brought to you by El Burrito Mercado. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us on this kind of, I don't know, cloudy Saturday. I was going to say, we hadn't talked about the weather I know. Yet. I hadn't given my weather report, which is just kind of cloudy. I woke up. It was chilly. I got to put on my leggings. I happy, I'm happy about that. Yeah. I'm ready for it's sweater nice weather. outside. Because it hides your food, baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I am there for that. Cozy. I know. So, okay. Here's what we have to talk about. So, it's back to school time. There's lots of books, you know, and everybody's kind of, um, everybody's kind of feeling like... I don't know. There's something in the air that is about 
the summer is just loose and free. And then you come back to school and you start to get organized. You start to sort of put things in row. Even if you don't have kids going back to school or you're not going back to school, there's something about September. I feel like you pack it in and you straighten it up. I think it's because we know we're going into like full winter mode soon. So you're trying to get it all yeah. organized. I think it's maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think it's like where you're like the worker ant and you're just sort of like packing your, your, your nesting. It's like, it's like the opposite of spring cleaning. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So one of the things that we thought about was that, of course, uh, you were going to probably want to you're going to want to clean up your cookbook shelf, Mm -hmm. which means here's the official announcement, guys. We are going to do the cookbook swap again this year. So we're going to do that on October 12th. Right. Is that what we said? So mark that on your calendars. We'll put a link up on the. uh, Oh, your link doesn't work. Miles. Oh, um, I'll, I'll work on that. Okay, you oh, work please. on that, and it's, but it's going to be October twelfth at Kitchen in the Market, like it has before. Remember, the deal is that you come and bring your, um, you bring your cookbooks that you want to clean off your shelf that you're done with, you want to get rid of, and then you for every cookbook that you bring, you get a ticket, and then we'll set them all up into the into the big you know room, and then you get for every ticket you get to swap a, a book and take one home. And for those of you that have come before and want to come again we've tightened up the time frame a little bit there was a lot of waiting around last time because it you know in the beginning it, it took a lot of time for everybody to get their books settled and yeah. buy their raffle tickets and all that kind of stuff and we do have some uh cool raffle prizes on the way good um including there's there's several options of wine that are gonna oh be excellent we like that part yeah. yeah so we've tightened up the timeline a little bit so um make sure you get there on time to offload your books, get your raffle ticket, get your champagne cocktail and a little few nibbles, and yep. then we'll go right into it. Yep. And we are doing, and remember, there's uh, the raffle tickets. Everything benefits Second Harvest Heartland. Mm-hmm. And all the books, in the end, if they don't get picked, will go to Arks Valley Village. Yep. And this is all just for charity and fun. And it's all basically in the name of cleaning out. Really, it's a transfer of ownership is what I like to say, because I just want to get rid of stuff and I want to put it into a good space. I don't want to throw things away. I want them to find new homes. And I'm all about finding new things for myself. There will be a few things that I grabbed last year that I have to bring back to the swap oh, this year. Them. I, well, I just, I feel bad. Like I grabbed it and I was like, why did I take, like, I was sort of, I was sort of <laughs> like, I get the vintage cookbook bug and all I want are these old seventies microwave cookbooks. I think they're hysterical, but right, like, but then they just sit on your shelf. I know. And I admire them from afar, yeah. but that's maybe something I have to work Dust on. Catcher. Um, so let's talk about what I thought we should talk about today instead of the new books you're excited for, because you're going to be coming to our swap um, let's talk about the 15 essential cookbooks uh, or just the essential cookbooks that, mm-hmm. that you should have on your own. This is, I have a list from tasting table, but Malls, I kind of want to see what you think about it and what your feeling is. I think the first thing that we always talk about is the joy of cooking. Everyone should have a copy of the joy sure. of cooking. And I think that's a basic Bible. That is a great source. Well, and they've updated it several times. So it's, you know, it's not like you're. You're cooking from the original version no, that is outdated. In so. fact, I think they're about to re-release a new edition. I think I saw that too. I feel like that's coming. Yeah. It's imminent. We might have talked about that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about The Mastering uh, the Art of French Cooking by Julia Child. Do you own this? I don't. I don't either. I don't. I feel really weird that I don't have one of these now. I don't know. But we didn't I, grow up as French cooking. No, and I love Julia Child, and I actually own some of her, like, the, some of the memoirs that have come out mm-hmm. recently, and those are delightful stories. I love the story of how she became a cook. Oh, I yeah. love the shows. I love all of that. But for some reason, it's not what I think I turn to when I 
want to just pull out a recipe to cook. Well, and I think, you know, the idea of the whole uh, Julie and Julia book, which was about, you know, the woman who cooked every recipe and mastering right. the art. I, you know, and then, of course, that spawned an entire generation of people cooking books mm-hmm. and blogging and doing the whole thing. I kind of feel, though, in a weird way that I want to do some I want to do that kind of a project where I want okay. to take that book and learn some of those things that I've never learned and didn't know how to yeah. do. I don't know. I might try it. So I might go find, I, I might go, I might goal. go vintage shopping before if there's nothing after or after the swap, if there's, and someone, if you want to bring a copy, if you have copies that you don't want, I will happily pick yeah. that up. Um, okay. Here's one that I thought was interesting. The new best recipe by cooks illustrated. I'm not as familiar with, I don't I mean, know I'm that one at all with cooks illustrated, but I did. I'm not familiar with this cookbook. No, I didn't either. So it's a collection of their 100 essential recipes. Yeah, but it's from oh, America's. No, that's, that's a different. Book. Yeah, that's that's the America's Test Kitchen one. This is Cooks Illustrated. Um, it's like it's basically it's it's worth it for the ultimate recipes from the authority in home cooking because yes, you can have 20 variations of coleslaw. They're basically saying, okay. I mean, I, I don't know if I would put that on mine. No. no. What about this? The Flavor Bible by yes. Karen Page and Andrew Dornenberg. You have this? I do not have it, but I I know enough about it. And I know that a lot of people that refer to it quite often. Okay. This is, it's a basically a guide to the culinary creativity based on the wisdom of America's most imaginative chefs, it says. It's about knowing how to season ingredients to coax the greatest possible flavor from them. I think that's a good thing to have. It's good. It's like a color wheel, you know, with paint yeah. and stuff like that. It's a, it's a good basis for flavors that will work together and how to, to create that. Okay. I don't have that one, that one, but I would get, what do you think about this? A Chez Panisse cookbook by Alice Waters. Mm. Yeah, I think you have to sort of feel that, you know what I mean? Like you kind of have to like want that as part of your repertoire. I admire what I'm saying. And I admire what uh, Chez Panisse and uh, Alice Waters have done for the food world, for sure. But sometimes I think in written form, especially it's it can get a little. Do you know what I have? I have The Art of Simple Food by Alice Waters, which is... How's that? Oh, I love it. That one is a great one. It's really notes, lessons, and recipes for a delicious life. It is... That one is a little bit more... It's less flowery. It's more direct. It's more of a like a resource. That I think I would appreciate yeah, more. I, That's I, what I, flowery was a good yeah. uh, term for what I was trying to say. Yeah. Thank you. You have all the words You're today. You're welcome. How about The Cake Bible by Rose Levy Berenbaum, which is... I mean, I would say... Very it's sort popular. of the standard. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a baker, so I don't own it, but I know bakers, professional bakers that own it and refer to it. So I'm going to say, yeah, essential. Yeah. I think this is one of those books I think is sort of undersung. You know, it doesn't get as much play as as a lot of the, the you know, big fancy books. But I think this one is the Cake Bible is kind of essential. I think that is essential. Um, even though I think Baking from My Home to Yours by Dory Greenspan, the next one, I have this one. I love Dory Greenspan. I will just tell you that anything by Dory Greenspan, if you don't have a Dory Greenspan book and you are a baker or you want to be a baker, then that is a thing that you need to get. She's amazing. She's just she's just so on point and she's so 100%. I think that is that is completely a key. Um, they, they did... Finally call out dry cooking. cooking yeah. Um, the Boston, Took a while, though. Yeah. Number eight. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Uh, the Boston Cooking School Cookbook, which... This is old school. Yeah. That's a Fanny Farmer. That's the Fanny Farmer original from 1896 is what they're saying. So here's the thing is I, I think that that's essential in a historical perspective, but I don't yeah. think it's essential for today's cooks because you're not cooking the same. You, right. You're not, you don't even have access to some of the same ingredients. So 
I'm not going to say it's not an essential book, but I don't know that it's essential for today's cooks. Yeah, although they are talking about how they standardized like a level cupful, a teaspoonful, a tablespoon. You know, it's sort of like the very, very, very basic basics. Yeah, so essential historically. but From not- instructions on building a fire to how to bone a bird. Yeah. Wouldn't you love... I would love to read how Fanny Farmer boned a bird. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I learned that the boning of the chicken, like that was the thing that I learned that I kind of wish I could have a re... A refresher. A refresher they on that YouTube course. YouTube for that, you know. I know. I know. And you know plenty of chefs in town that could help you. Hey, I, but I don't want that. I don't want that. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to run down the list because we got to go. Uh, Food Lab uh, from Serious Eats by Kenji Lopez-Alt. Okay. Food and Cooking by Harold McGee. I have that. That's the guest. That's like the science the book. Stuff, yeah. Super interesting. But they have a Martha Stewart Living Cookbook, which I'm like, fine. Um, Italian classics. Yes, yes, by yes. Marcella, Marcella Hazan, of course, She's of course. Amazing. Dining in by Alison Roman. I was thought that was interesting that that was on that book. That's the millennial. I'm I have not it. Familiar with that? I have it, and I like it. But she's internet famous, oh. and yeah. so I kind yeah. of feel like she doesn't deserve to be on the essentials list. Uh, number fifteen, I have and use all the time. Plenty by Yotam Otolengi. Love, love, love. I think that's great. All right, so there you go, you guys. Think about the essentials. Look at your cookbook shelf. Think about what is essential, what is not essential. And then get ready for uh, the cookbook swap, which happens on October October 12th. 12th. All right. We're going to take a quick break, you guys. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about back to school cooking. We'll be right back. This is Weekly Dish brought to you by El Burrito Mercado. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday. Uh, I'm Stephanie March. I'm here with Molly Herman. Good morning. Who is uh, the maven behind Kitchen in the Market in the Midtown Global Market and also has a kid who she packs lunch for often. (laughs) Used to. Used to. You don't do it anymore? No. When he started middle school, he was like done with uh packed lunches so just to be clear molly used to make these beautiful bento box lunches that was like colorful and pretty and you would take pictures of them and it was like this whole thing that was just very very cool and fun and you're telling me that he says to you thanks no thanks well what what happened what happened was uh in middle school they have so many more options and they have a salad bar yeah every day yeah and so he was like okay i can do this yeah like i can now create whatever what I want wants. for lunch. Right. And that's what he does. And I think, you know, at some point, I think there's still some of his friends that take lunches, but you know, at some point everybody just wants to have that communal experience of eating together. Yeah. And you know, right. Know, middle school, middle school, hashtag middle school. <sighs> I guess for many, many years packed his lunch and I do have to still pack him for summer camps. I just don't take pictures of him anymore. Right. Right. So what did, what was the big, what was your, what was, what was your biggest thing for success for doing when you were doing his lunches? So because kids are all unique, special snowflakes, um, my AJ did not like sandwiches in his lunches. Right. And Which so throws a big wonky turn into huge, things. Yeah. Huge wonky turn because that's what we that's grew kind up of on, a, right? Yeah. We all grew up with Slap that. Slap the sandwich in there. Yeah. Uh, so I had to figure out ways to feed him and he had some food allergies, ways to feed him that w- were not sandwiches. And so there were a lot of lettuce wraps and salads and maybe a deconstructed sandwich that then he could put together later with a pita or something like that. So, okay. And that was fun. And yeah, he was, all but that down. was the impetus for those bento boxes was because I couldn't just give a sandwich, put a and, sandwich yeah, yeah. and put it down. That's interesting. Well, I think that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of um, people who don't want their kids to be eating school lunch because it's not, 
you know, healthy or whatever. And then there's people who are, you know, for me, it was always like, that's just part of my love language is making you food. Mm-hmm. And so like for, for the, this littlest last one, that's the one that I, I always just made him lunch. But now that he's in high school, it's too hard. I so mean, did like you make him lunch all through middle school too. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did. I made him lunch all through middle school. So what was his go-to sandwiches? We had a weird rotation. We had no. I mean, and that was the weird thing. It was like we did a lot of tuna. Like I would make him tuna salad and he would take and he would eat it with like triscuits. Yep. Uh, we did a lot of caprese salads mm-hmm. and, you know, lots of fresh mozz, tomato and basil. We did. Um, I would call it. We called it meat and cheese platter yep. where you just do a bunch of just. Salami cuts and cheeses and little bits. It was like a Lunchables, but it was a house-made Lunchable Yeah, that situation. was a big one in our house, too. Yeah. And then I did, like, BLT wraps mm-hmm. kind of every once in a while, where mm-hmm. that was like a lettuce wrap. And then he did he did do, you know, school stuff, like, you know, but, oh, pickle wraps, you guys. Pickle wraps. So With many pickle wraps. pastrami and cream cheese? Yep. Pickle, pastrami, and cream cheese. Like, that does sound good. I know. Like, that's a great lunch, actually. Yeah. You know? AJ's favorite I think of all time was what we called the brat salad. Oh, so it was a salad like, you know, with romaine because it's a lettuce that'll hold up more in a uh, lunchbox. Um, Hearty vegetables like cucumbers and carrots. And then I would sort of pan fry off sliced brat. So it sort of got crispy on the edges. Right. And just like put that over the top of it. And that was his lunch. There was no dressing needed. Right. Because it had all that flavor in it. Right. Um, I think that was one of his favorites. That's interesting. And will he, will he come back to that? Like, will he, if you ever made it and then he'd be like, oh, that was lunch way back in the day kind of a thing. You know what's funny now is he's on his own more at night now. And we always have brats in the fridge. So I think he fixes it himself. He does it himself. Yeah. So this is, I did put a question on the Facebook page, you guys, because speaking of like school lunch, the funny thing is like, you know, we all grew up, I mean, you know, either you made your lunch or people made your lunch for you or whatever. And, but there's also the school lunch. And I was kind of wondering, cause Molly didn't go to school as a kid up here. No. Did you have the same, like, what were your big like school lunches at school? I think probably about the same, you know, there was the turkey and mashed potatoes. Uh, there was the, we had um, French bread pizza. Yeah, I think a lot of people talked about the pizza that came in the aluminum pan. Like but ours wasn't in a pan. Though. No, it was it was made at the. So all of our food was made at the school. Yeah, um, it wasn't. I guess until the seventies and eighties that they started, you know, commissarying that. But um, rectangle pizza. A lot of people are saying that. I remember yeah. that too. Like on a French bread. Like on yeah. it was like. It was like, yeah, the burgers that we had were strangely addictive, but they definitely were like a mix of soy and hamburger. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't full on 100 percent beef. But the, my favorite thing that yeah. I remember is they had these freshly baked yeast rolls. Oh, so they would have these giant pans and you could just, like you could walk down the halls of Cork Elementary and smell in Plant City, bready, bready goodness. <laughs> And they would brush the tops with butter. Oh. And it was just amazing. Yeah. If Keith is listening, he's probably, he would probably be like, yeah, we did go to the same elementary school. That's gross. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are the grossest, cutest little like (laughs) sweethearts I've ever met. Um, Okay. So, I mean, this is the thing is like for me, it was straight up, you know, a wiener roll up, which is the weirdest thing ever, which was a hot dog. On a piece of toast. It was like a bread. It was a piece of bread that had been sort of folded up like a bun and like either pinned somehow, but it, and then toasted and it had like ketchup on the bottom. And it was weirdly like, 
<laughs> I can't even tell you how weird it is to think about it, but it was like ah, wiener roll up day. Yes. I have never seen or heard of such a thing. I know. Why would you? I don't understand what these people in the 70s were doing with their school lunches. No. We had the like hot dogs that were wrapped in like you know the crescent roll. Oh yeah, no, that's way too fancy. Blanket. That's way too fancy. This was a piece of white bread that was somehow folded up like corner to corner. Oh, that's awesome. Like a little package, except for the bottom was like ketchup laden. (laughs) I don't know. It didn't get soggy. No. Well, kind of, but yeah. The (laughs) thing, and then the other thing was goulash. Did you ever have goulash? People, what the heck? I mean, like, I didn't have goulash anywhere else in the world except for at school lunch. And it was just, I mean, it was basically like, it was like a bolo. It was like noodles and meat. And then, but there was like peppers or something in it that made it kind of like not Italian. (laughs) It was called goulash. And you either. Goulash, the not Italian. You either like loved it or you hated it. Yeah. Gosh, I don't remember that. I remember us having good lasagna. Oh, I don't cool. remember. I also remember Sloppy Joe's was the only place oh, because Sloppy I have Joe's. a German mother who had no idea what the heck yep. a Sloppy Joe was, and I she wasn't going to open a can and pour out a Sloppy Joe for dinner. So, like, I was like at school, I was like, oh my god, it's Sloppy Joe Day, and I thought it was a miracle. I loved Sloppy Joe Day. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, isn't that strange? Good. And cobblers, we had a lot of cobblers. Did you? Maybe that's a southern thing. I think that might be. Lots of pizza, pizza burgers up here. Lots of pizza burgers. Um, a lot of. Italian dunkers, we've talked about that. That's more of Hopi's generation, I feel like, than mine. I know my kids were all about the Italian dunkers, which is basically pizza bread in marinara. Right. You know what I mean? Like, why not? All right. So, but as we're talking about, uh, the, you know, school lunches and the memories of it all, there's a lot of a lot of places out there, you guys, that want you to... Um, <laughs> that can help you with your school lunch. Like Bon Appetit has 52 quick and easies. And some of them are good. Like, you know, cold pasta. That was something else we always mm-hmm. used to put in like tortellini sure. or whatever. And just basic sandwiches. But the idea that th- stuff gets boring. One of the things that we I did end up putting in, you know, hard boiled eggs or frittatas. It did make a lot well, of that's frittatas. A good one, that's a good room, room yeah. temperature. Yeah, one you of can the things for hard boiled eggs that I did when AJ was little was I actually hard boiled quail eggs. Oh, which sounds a little precious. It does sound really, a lot precious it's, to me. It's not that precious, right? Um, but they're just like they're the perfect size for little people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of a big egg well, and, then, and like little poppers. Here's the thing for me. At this point, I get it. Like we all talk about these cute little lunches, and I think that it gets yeah. like you get into this space where you're still caring for your little person. But, like, I still want to make lunch for my giant human, you know? And right. he's a teenager now. And I still want to make him, like, a good lunch to send him off to school so he's not just eating the cheeseburger line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's there's less out there for to help me with that. And that's what I'm trying to figure out is how to... So I'm going to make this uh, miso chicken salad that I saw on Epicurious and make a big batch of that. Or making a big batch of rice and then letting him have that. But I wish they could heat things up. It they is, can't do yeah. that. And that makes me crazy. Black beans and rice or something like that would still be okay. Like a black bean and rice salad. Oh, black bean quinoa salad. I have a quinoa I have, salad. No, that's my oof. summer quinoa salad. So good. Ooh. But that's also not, I don't know. That's that, like that's not his favorite to have black True. beans. So, All right. So there you go, you guys. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So feel free to give us a call. 651-641-1071. And uh, we will answer all your questions and uh, maybe talk about more food. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. 
Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us. We are in the Ask Stephanie portion of the show, guys, which means you can give us a call, 651-641-1071. Or if you need to send us a little note on the old Twitters or on uh, Facebooks, we'll try to get to any of the questions you email us. Right. Sometimes it doesn't show up, um, you know, until after the segment. So sorry about that. Um, I did get a little note about goulash, I gotta tell ya. Did ya? Yep. She says, we love goulash so much in my house, Sarah. She said she heard us talking about it. She loves so much in my house, and there are a few recipes we make. I just shared this one on my on my recipe sharing website. If you ever have a hankering to make this at home, so good. It's her grandma's recipe. Heavenly hot dish, uh, and I'm gonna put it up. Perfect. Because goulash! Perfect. I think goulash is kind of hot dish, but it's also more, it's like a meatier thing. Of Isn't it. goulash usually using like cubes of beef though, not like ground beef? I guess it could I be. I mean, in school it, it was ground beef. And okay. I feel like it's also that whole paprikash, you yeah. know, is like in that yeah. same. It's supposed to be sort of a, a Eastern European. Yeah, I want to say like Slavic almost, you know, mm-hmm. idea I of something. I it with, you know, Russian. Did you, you did have it? Or are you, I, you saw I, I, so, it? Okay. I associate it with like yeah. Russian. Right. Eastern European. Gosh, I know. Okay. Like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Um, so we are, uh, so yeah, give us a call 651-641-1071. Um, also, I wanted to talk a little bit about how you have to cook also for when we're talking about school cooking and you're cooking for not just, you know, it's not just lunch that we're talking about. We're talking about cooking for snacks and fourth meal all of a sudden you have to stock your house differently and your whole food system goes wonky at least for me it does well and our breakfasts change because aj has to wait longer to get to lunch too or he has to eat breakfast early so it's like maybe heartier breakfast before he even gets off so it lasts him longer and then because he comes home from school you may or may not be there you know what i mean like the parent working fluctuation Mm -hmm. do you stack the the fridge with things so that you know like he'll eat something because fourth meal is a real thing yes and i think that we we sort of do that over the summer too though because my my, well yeah you know he's at home by himself right has to figure out his own meals most of the time now so uh yeah i mean it's always stocked with with what he likes to snack on. Okay. And then the occasional treat, like, you know, Pop-Tarts or... Oh, look at you go. The organic ones, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the ones at the co-op. I make them myself. No, good God, no. Oh, my God. I did see at Constantine, did you see this, that they had, um, just until, like, it's limited for the end of summer, uh, they make their own Pop-Tarts there. Yeah. That <laughs> It's a Pop-Tart ice cream sandwich. Oh, wow. So, yeah. You know, the the self-made Pop-Tarts got a weird, you know, the, the they DIY, had they surge. had a weird surge at the end of this summer with from like uh, Bon Appetit or somebody. I think one of their editors made it and then people started freaking out and making their own. I feel like I was seeing it more last year, too, though. Oh, really? Like it was there was a little surge, but it went. Yeah, it, it's died down. Yeah. No, I mean, well, just this last summer, there was a couple things, but I kind of feel like. I don't know. I don't. I don't have any need to make pop tarts. No, I don't. That's I'm not use a thing. My time in other I, ways. I absolutely get driven by what they do. You know, like the when the national food media gets into a space and they all start making like cacio e pepe. I totally. Sure. I like, totally. Because well, you start craving, it. you're like, oh, yeah. right. That forgot. Well, about and it that. kind of you know just a nice like inspirational thing. It's kind of fun. Speaking of cacio e pepe, that is a perfect weeknight meal for everybody in your family when you get home and you can throw it together super quick. Do you want to talk a little point. bit about what how quick and how you do it? 
So whatever pasta you use, whether it's fresh or dried, you know, cook your pasta. You're going to need some of that pasta water. Yeah. So make sure you start the pasta. Um, and it's just lots of, I mean, you can put some garlic in it. Sometimes I jazz it up with a, some onions, but you know, mostly it is um, a lot of, it's some oil, lots of pepper, some salt, and some Parmesan cheese. Butter. I think a lot of Parmesan cheese. A Don't lot, you? Shouldn't lot, it be lot, like a lot? lot? Like that's the main thing. A lot in it because that's with the pasta water, you're sort of melting that all together in the pan. I don't ever use pasta water. I'm just, oh. that's not my thing. You know what I always do? Because if I'm adding, if I need to thin something out, it has the starchier quality yeah. to it. No, I hear ya. I guess I just don't. I don't, I like, I know like every, every pasta recipe from like the history of the world seems to say, reserve a fourth cup of your pasta liquid. And I don't, I throw my pasta right into the pan that I have usually sauteing with stuff and I don't ever, I never use it. So usually if I'm making a sauce and I have the pasta going, I'll scoop some out and use that liquid in the sauce. And then I still put my pasta in there. Yeah. Depends on the sauce. I guess, I guess maybe I tend to do more of like. Tomatoey, you know, sure. base things or like acidic. Yeah, I think that's where I go with it. It's funny though because I know I feel like it always says it, and I'm always like, I don't, I just don't do that. Yeah, and it's not like I'm against it. I just it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't do it every time, but I think it's especially important for cacio e pepe because mm-hmm. that that starch in the water is going to help that yeah. cheese and make that sauce that sticks to the noodles, sure. and that's what you want. So sure. good, I like it. I like it. Um, there is uh, some ideas of our as like doing quick meals on the fly. Do you have do you have like a go to like if you have practice and you know AJ is a soccer player, mm-hmm. you guys have to come home before games. Is there a thing that you do like either before game or after game? No, because those game times are so weird. So it right. changes all the time. But I would say the go tos in the Herman House are um, a frittata because yep. that's super easy and everybody will eat it. And easy to put a salad with and call it done. And it's protein. It's protein. Um, tacos. We do a lot of tacos. Do you do a lot of yeah. tacos? And so there can be some a fast version of tacos. And then there's like the all out, like, let Molly make 20 different toppings to put on tacos night, which is not the quick, easy version. Yeah. So we have those two. Um, and then I'm I'm pretty good at whipping out some, some pastas. Right? That are fast. That are fast. Yeah. Um, I've been finding, honestly, I mean, let's talk about uh, the Instant Pot for just a second, because I've been finding that... It wouldn't be a weekly dish without talking about I, Instant Pot. I know. How could we? <laughs> um, but I'm just saying that the idea of taking frozen chicken breasts and throwing them in the pot for 20 minutes at the most, you mm-hmm. know, has is totally one of those things where that changes the idea of like what we can do right. after, because I don't, I don't, it's so easy and it's so good to be able to kind of do something on the flash like that Mm -hmm. and still have something you can dress up. You know what I mean? So that has changed my, because it used to be like I would make a pasta or whatever, but I wouldn't have a protein with it or something. And because everything would be frozen. So that really changed my game on that one. And I really liked that. Well, and I would say a mashup of the two of the things that we do. Um, There's nothing wrong with breakfast tacos for for dinner. And that's fast and easy. But we don't, and here's another weird thing. Like we eat eggs every single morning. So we don't ever do breakfast at dinner because we eat eggs every morning. So well, that's yeah. like a Sometimes thing that we're a I miss. double egg family. I know, but I'm just like nobody wants it. Like I'm okay. always like I'll eat an egg every dinner, everything. Oh my gosh. Hey, we have a call on the line. We have Kim on the line. What's up, Kim? Hi, I wanted to know um how to preserve my herbs from the garden. I have basil, oregano, and rosemary. It's- how are you wanting to use them? Yeah. 
Um, for the future. Just like this over the winter? Yes. Yeah, you just have to dry them. I mean, honestly, if you hang them upside down, if you pick them from the stem and then you kind of hang them upside down, they will dry beautifully. And then you can kind of pull them off and crumble them up and keep them in an airtight container. And if you're wanting to do something where you're using them more in a fresh capacity, I would say you could um, food processor them or, you know, chop them really finely with a little bit of olive oil and then put them in like the ice cube trays or in some little container and freeze those. And then you're just popping it out and adding it to whatever dish you're using and it melts. Yep. Okay. And I also have um, another question. Can I grow cilantro inside? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. You can do most of those herbs as long as you have enough sunlight. I was going to say you need a window. Yeah. Then you can totally do it. And then I heard something about the uh, the little green onions. Yeah, you can grow green. You can you can have any kind of garden inside you want, really. Just sunlight and water. Just sunlight and water. Oh, great! Thank you guys so much. You're Thanks, welcome. Have a good day. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, join us for the second hour of the show, where we are going to talk a lot about fun things happening in town in food. We'll be right back. This is the weekly dish. We're brought to you by El Burrito Mercado.